Welcome back to 12-Pack Radio, the most interesting podcast in your ears covering college football, Pac-12 football. This is Brian Kong, the host of Wildcat Radio, and holy Moses, what an awesome week we had in the Pac-12. Lots to talk about, and in order to do that, we always have the wizard of statistics, Mr. Rob Bauer, and the creator of the Beta Rank Advanced College Football Model, which you can find exclusively on Wildcat Radio. What is going on, Rob? Oh, no, I'm, I'm excited to be here. Got knocked out of the survivor pool this weekend with uh, Oregon over Arizona, but uh, lots to talk about today, though. Absolutely. We'll break down every game that happened last week. We'll talk about the games that are coming up this week. And to do that, back by popular demand, the game breakdown uh, guru of the world, everything that he's doing on YouTube is excellent. Uh, we had him on a few weeks ago to break down some games. Mr. Max Brown, man, what's going on? What up, guys? Thanks for having me back on. Yeah, it's uh, good to be here. Fun to Fun to break down the Pac-12 each week and then uh, to talk, uh, talk about it on your podcast even better. So thanks for having me. Oh, no, no problem at all. Um, we'll do a few plugs here. You can follow the podcast for free on Google Play, TuneIn Radio, any, anywhere you get your podcasts. We are there. You can download it for free. Don't miss an episode. You can follow us, us on Twitter at 12-Pack Radio at 12PAC Radio. And Max, you are breaking down a ton of games every week. You're cranking out awesome content. And like, if you're not a football fan or if you are a football fan, I think you do such a good job of bringing in kind of the the new fans and do all right this is how football works but if you already can you know uh if you're somebody like rob that can use all these terms that i've never heard of before like even rob has been impressed which is awesome so where can people find your (laughs) pac-12 breakdowns yeah i know i appreciate it um easiest place to find me is uh just on youtube max brown brown has an e at the end so if you just type my name in there my channel should pop up or uh any of those any of my uh video breakdowns will pop up right away and then uh on Twitter, Max Brown Four. Um, that's where I post most most of my little uh, my, my my hot takes on college football and all that. So, either one of those spots is uh, is probably the best. Whether it's Twitter, or YouTube, and uh, yeah, videos up uh, every week. At least at least one. Lately, it's been two, so even better. But uh, yeah. All right on. Okay, yeah, definitely check it out. Like I can't recommend it enough, and we're really uh, glad to have you back on, particularly for this week, because holy goodness, it was a, uh, a hot week in the Pac-12. To lay the groundwork here, we run a, a Pac-12 eliminator pool, and some some of us have a little extra skin in the game on the side with some old friends, and I took Colorado, and I'm looking at the score like 31-3 to three or whatever. I'm like, oh, man, I got this. This is going to be fine. And, uh, and Colorado, of course, ends up losing, and I'm like, oh, man, there's only like 12 of us in the in the uh, in this tournament thing and uh, this is gonna be awful and then everybody else loses so, so like i ended up winning money even though uh there was uh, everybody ended up losing and i took colorado which is a crazy week um what were your general imp- impressions max and what stood out to you most while you were watching this past week yeah i think uh with all the underdogs winning i think just the general uh depth of this conference i think the, na- the narrative all year long has been Okay, maybe there's not an elite team, but the, the the flip side of that is, all right, well, you got a lot of a lot of good teams, a lot of teams that are uh, right on the cusp, and then obviously um, Oregon State kind of shocked everyone. That was probably the most surprising one, but it shows that hey, you got to bring your bring your game every week in the Pac-12. But uh, yeah, a bunch of cool storylines. I mean, obviously uh, Arizona. Um, that that showing was kind of what most of us had had expected back in August is that that's going to be the, those are going to be the Wildcats where we're going to see all year long. And it hadn't happened, but it happened this past Saturday. And then another thing that jumps out to me is just uh, Cal and Justin Wilcox's squad kind of taking that next step. They're, they're, they're able to beat people. And then, uh, I mean, Stanford, you kind of forget about how much of a juggernaut Stanford has, has been in recent memory. And they kind of get overshadowed by, I mean, Washington state, Washington, as of late, Oregon, but then, hey, don't forget about them making noise in the South, and they gave Washington State a big scare, almost knocked them off. So just the depth across the board in this conference is definitely what sticks out to me. Yeah, you had the sumo wrestling fight between Washington and Cal, <laughs> 12 to 10. Oh, my goodness gracious. Uh, Rob, what are, what are some things that yeah. stood out for you this week? Uh, I really thought it was interesting in the, this week. I mean, one is, of course, the Oregon State upset, but – I mean, Cal really getting lucky and, and knocking off Washington. But Washington's offensive performance in that game was just horrendous. Um, I thought it was interesting. I think 
Oregon's performance, their their offense was just awful. Um, and Herbert probably had his worst game. But um, I think a lot of the problems that have been hiding under the surface for that Oregon team uh, on offense really came out against a, a not great Arizona defense <laughs> that we've seen many weeks. Um, and then also, I mean, I, I, it feels like forever ago because it was back on Friday. But I mean, Utah just looks like the most complete team in the conference right now. They're getting hot at the right time. Um, you know, they're all the way up to 11 in beta rank this week highest ranked team in the Pac-12 um and they've got I mean they're they've got a pretty clear path at this moment going forward of course you say that and something like this last week could happen yeah, then you have kind of those middling games where you have Arizona State going into the Coliseum and knocking off USC. My apologies there, Max. You know, I don't mean to rub it in there, but you know, I want to start there because I thought that that game was so fun to watch. And certainly, Max, we're going to spend most of our time talking Washington State, Stanford. So let's talk about some of these smaller games real fast. Um, man, you're Clay Helton. Your team scores 35 points. If you were to tell me last week, hey, SC is going to drop 35 in ASU. Are they going to win the game? The answer would have been yes. But man, SC could not stop Eno Benjamin. And what what's the what's the issue surrounding that program right now? Because it seems like they are trying to pick up the pieces of what was supposed to be at the beginning of the year. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think it's it kind of falls into three buckets. It falls into the quarterback position and the fact that you're you're starting your third string cornerback. That's tough on anyone. I don't care if you are USC and you should have uh, a- a- incredible depth there. But the reality is they're starting a true freshman uh, as their number one guy. And so if that's the case, your number three guy, they're lucky enough that you could have a guy like Jack Sears there. Um, but QB depth is one. And then obviously just de- uh, injuries in general with Cam Smith being out, Marvell Tell being out, Porter Gustin being out. Like those are three captains. Those are three, I'm pretty sure – uh, preseason All-Americans, if I'm not mistaken, and so they're all gone. That's tough leadership-wise. That's a tough missing skill, um, skill-wise. And then uh, third bucket, I think, is just uh, that all the, the narratives surrounding the program right now. I mean, the the pressure on Clay Helton, as you guys, I don't know if you guys uh, were on Twitter earlier, but the narratives of just uh, or what's going on with him firing firing coaches and, and uh, the O-line coach, I think that's just evident of how much pressure he's uh, he, like, how, how hot his seat is, how much pressure is going on with him. And so those three buckets are what I kind of point to with USC. You know, when you look at this week, it was kind of a what <laughs> kind of week where it's just like, oh, my gosh, I'm looking at all these scores. How does a team like Oregon or uh, Colorado or um, I'm just trying to think of or like or Washington get off the bus on the road and go to a game where they're favored by 10, 15, 20 points? What is what is uh, behind the scenes, the type of leadership there that tries to get the team up to play a game like that because it always happens you're always going to drop a game particularly on the road against an underdog but it seems like the elite teams like Washington State for example has been able just to continue to win what do coaching staffs need to do and what do players need to do to get their teams ready to go for those those types of games that's a fantastic question I think the biggest thing is just awareness I remember listening to to one of the University of Washington uh, beat writer guys after their loss and he was kind of saying hey if you went back this summer and circled, all right, what's going to be the trap game for Washington, you would have circled Cal. And um, I forget his exact reasonings, but I can just, by by knowing football, I'm sure their next opponent it was elite, and they're probably coming off a yeah, big Colorado win, which would have been uh, kind of a big game uh, from a South opponent. So you're kind of looking at, hey, on the road at Berkeley, it's kind of that time of the year where you need um, – uh, a bye week would be nice. Your, your team's banged up. You're getting week eight, week nine kind of thing. And so if you, before the season, that's kind of the week where you're circling. Uh, that might that might be in trouble. And that's probably the case with the Oregon and all that. Is you kind of get in that lull. You kind of get maybe a little complacent. Obviously, Oregon was coming off a tough, tough uh, road environment, tough loss against Washington State. So I think it's the biggest thing is just emotionally. Can you get up for the game? And uh, it sounds like a, an easy thing to do. I mean, you only get 12, 13, 14 games a year. You should, you should be able to get up for every one of them. But easier said than done. And uh, I think being aware of it and trying to make sure your team's aware of, hey, 
don't uh, don't let this one get away from us is huge for, for for every team, especially when you're the favorite going on the road. Yeah, and we're definitely going to break down uh, the game of the week, at least in my mind, which I think is interesting. I guess it's more just of a, the most interesting game of the week, and that's Stanford and Washington. But before we get to that, Rob, I wanted to highlight uh, the beta rank numbers because I'm sure there were some crazy changes that you saw in the model in terms of what it's trying to. I'm sure it's trying to do what we're doing, is and that's making sense of what happened last week. Yeah, I mean, the, if you look at last week, there were some some big shifts. <clears throat> Utah really, you know, made a big move. They come in at number eleven. Um, Washington State it's number twenty. Uh, Washington drops, but only to twenty six. And Stanford sort of, I guess, I guess you could say, it sort of solidified themselves at thirty five. But uh, the biggest jumps, the biggest moves, come from Oregon State, which was at one twenty four, jumping all the way up to one ten. And Colorado really took a nosedive, especially on offense. That you know they really missed Chenault, three bad offensive performances in a row. Um, they drop all the way down to seventy-four, and they were right around fifty last week. Um, and their offense now comes in at number ninety-three in the country, and they had they had sort of peaked out at you know I think up in the twenties before that USC game. So. Um, Teams are teams are really. I think we're starting to get a good handle on teams. The the model has a, a built-in time decay in it, so that I can capture uh, teams when they get hot late in the season or start to play poorly. We're not just waiting the early season games evenly. Um, so hopefully we'll we'll be able to see uh, in this week some of the effects of that because like a, a game that I think if you even said two weeks ago like an easy Colorado win they're a toss up against Arizona at Arizona this week oh man <laughs> I'm excited to talk about some of those sleazy bets but before we do let's break down this Stanford uh, Washington game you know Washington comes off a disappointing loss like we just said uh, on the road at Cal I mean they sat Jake Browning Max <laughs> like it was just a weird weird game. Um, as they go back home, they usually play better in Seattle. They're facing a Stanford team that I think Rob's numbers hit that right on the nose. I mean, Stanford is an elite, but it's still good, and they still can make some noise. What are some of the keys to this game for you uh, for both sides? Yeah, I mean, you, you could say this every week when playing Stanford, but it's got to be up front, right? I mean, that that's what sticks out to me. You can you can blame Jake Brown and all that, but that's what sticks out to me with Washington is they're not elite off on the offensive line, at least to me. And so that they had a hard time getting the run game going against Cal. And so when you're playing Stanford, dominating the box or at least winning the box is uh, is crucial to winning the actual game. So that's something I'm going to be focused with. And then um, just can what, what's what's the quarterback situation going to be? I'm, I have a, I mean I'm pretty sure they're probably going to go with with Jake Browning and, and make that happen. But obviously there's some concern there in terms of, okay, why is the offense not moving? So I'll have my eyes glued onto that. But when you're playing Stanford, got to get it done up front. And that's been a concern for Washington. And so I'll be glued to, glued to the offensive line when watching that game. Uh, Rob, I want you to jump in after this question, but one of the things, because you nailed it on the head, Max, when you're talking about Browning and, just kind of a a consistent inability to move the offense. He's been able to step up in spurts, but what can you do schematically as a offensive um, play caller to put Browning in a position that, that gets that Washington offense moving, particularly with miles Gaskin still being a question mark on that, uh, on that team. Yeah. I think right when you ask that question, the first thing my, my head goes to is just, uh, if you're having offensive line troubles and you're not able to protect, that's what sticks out to me is their, their game is, all right, we're going to run the rock and then we're going to play action and then, or then we're going to roll out do naked game. And when you're not running the ball, that's hard to do. And that's putting Jake in a tough spot. So if you're able to use the quick game, that's what uh, I just watched, uh, rewatched the USC ASU game. That's what ASU does a ton is they, they don't do a ton of play action drop back. It's a lot of quick game, a lot of RPO. And so when you have a guy like Jake Browning, who's seen a lot, he should be able to manage your, your quick game uh, very well. So I would, if I, to answer your question, I would incorporate a little bit more of that. But then again, it's always the fine line, right? It's do we want to stick to our identity and who we've been for the past, I mean, shoot, few years, forget just this season, but few years, or do we want to go to more quick games, spit the ball out and get, get away from that? When you don't have Gaskin and Savon Ahmed's banged up as well, I think that's that's where you got to head. But, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they adjust uh, – in this last month of the season and does i mean the washington may get trey adams back for this game so you're right it will be interesting to see if their offensive line play improves do they have what it takes at wide receiver to to really with the debo has just had sort of a monster couple weeks for stanford um 
to to be able to sort of like rely on Browning or uh, yet another Jake. I'm trying to remember the backup quarterback's name. I know it's Jake. I can't remember. There's <laughs> yeah. like three. It's like three Jakes at quarterback for Washington. Um, but uh, do they do they have what it takes to to get it going and be able to rely on the ball through the air uh, in the game? I think they do. I really do. Um, I know the receiver position was a question come into the year, but uh, the, the crop they have now, um, I think you can get it done. It's not Dante Pettis. It's not John Ross, but obviously that's, that's setting the bar real high in terms of uh, top NFL draft picks. But um, I think they do have the guys to get it done. Uh, but I think you're, you're running out of options. Even if uh, you're not, even if receiver might not be your strength, which I don't think it's a weakness by any means, just that backfield, they're going on their third and fourth string running back. So that's just tough. Just depth wise, just um, relying on playmakers. They're going to have to look outside for their receivers, and uh, those guys are going to have to step up. All right. You know, flipping the coin on the head here when we're taking a look at Stanford's offense and the way that they've been trying to operate. I mean, Costello had himself a heck of a game against Washington State. Obviously, Stanford's wide receivers are incredibly talented. They're tall. Um, they can go up and get the ball. And oftentimes, I thought one of the things that stu- stuck out for me, Max, is when I was watching your breakdown of how Utah was defending that jump ball uh, <laughs> against uh, Arcega Whiteside. That was a perfect example of being able to defend that. I'm not certain that Washington's uh, secondary is going to be able to do that. They have some really good players, but sometimes they struggle with the bigger wide receivers. How does Stanford's uh, coaching staff take advantage of that? And do you think it's going to be enough for them to uh, to take a game in Seattle? Yeah, I think, I mean, when you talk about Arthega Whiteside and some of their big receivers, and I guess the tight ends, really, uh, for Stanford, no one really matches up great. Um, I guess, shoot, maybe Stanford's own corners are probably the best matchup, just being bigger and stuff. But, uh, I think, um, I mean, Washington State got beat on a little bit, but you almost got to say, all right, we're going to make them earn it all the way down the field. And you got to try to stay away from the pass interference calls, which Washington State fell guilty towards. But um, you just got to fight. And, you, I mean, Utah did a great job with it, just being prepared for what they're going to give it to them. But, I mean, Washington secondary is good. They're not necessarily big, but they're definitely good. Um, so I think I think they'll be fine. Uh, but, you, like I kind of referenced, you know exactly what Stanford's going to do when they get into that fringe red zone area. They're going to look for fade balls. They're going to look for one-on-one shots. And uh, just being prepared for it and uh, making them earn it, nothing easy has got to be your mindset if you're the, if you're the Huskies. Does, does Washington, uh, because Costello in the two games, the two really worst games that Stanford had, one against a very good Notre Dame defense and two was against a very good Utah defense. Um, but in both of those games, they really got pressure on Costello in ways that other teams have not. And um, you you don't want to, I mean, there's not many times you want to reference the replacements, but, you know, like Costello definitely hears footsteps. <laughs> um, and he's not the same player uh, when you get pressure on him. Uh, does Washington, I, I, their, their defense has been really good uh, and they're very fundamentally sound and they make good tackles, uh, but they haven't necessarily been the greatest at getting pressure. Can they get pressure in this game against Stanford's offensive line? Because I don't know that Stanford's offensive line is, has held up over the, the, the full season against some very good defenses that's a good question yeah I would, my first the first thing that jumped out uh, jumped out of me when watching the stanford washington state game was i felt like their their offensive line stanford uh did a great job picking up washington state's blitzes and washington state yeah. uh really got after oregon with that job i mean bringing six and always having a a guy come free but your point spot on stanford's line has not been great all year but i was impressed with how they were this past week so hopefully they can they can carry that over for their team's sake going into going into a tough Seattle environment. But uh, yeah, I think the biggest thing if you're Washington is you gotta you gotta get creative with it. I think Stanford's smart and savvy enough to just say hey, if you're gonna bring basic pressures, just single dog backer blitzes, they'll pick it up. Getting creative and being timely with your blitz calls, I think I think is huge. But you kind of hit the nail right on the head. If if you put pressure on Costello, he's gonna have a hard night, just just like most quarterbacks would. But if you don't get pressure on him. He's uh, he's very skilled and talented, and he'll pick you apart. Taking a look at Stanford's running game, I mean, it's really been disappointing compared to what the expectations were at the beginning of the year. Even when Bryce Love was healthy, he wasn't getting close to the eight yards of carry that he was rocking last year. I mean, it was just so exciting to watch him every time he touched the ball. And looking at the backup running backs for Stanford, they just don't seem to be there. Is is that a worry for you uh, in this game? Yeah, um, it's a good point. Uh, 
I think I think you got if you're the Washington State's def, or if you're Washington's defensive coordinator, you're probably just staying true to, to to what the to what the game plan is. And what I mean by that is, okay, Bryce Love's back there. You're doing one thing. I don't know if that necessarily changes when his backups in there. And the reason I say that is, I know when I was at SC and Christian McCaffrey was back there, it was night and day different game plan wise. Christian McCaffrey to to the backup at that time, and shoot, it might even been Bryce Love. But what I just because they're moving around McCaffrey into the slot out wide, running screen games. He's behind uh, in normal running back position in the shotgun. To me, they kind of keep it the same with Bryce Love and the backup in there. Obviously, Bryce Love's more talented, but I think you just got to stay true to your rules. Stay true. Stay true to who you've been. Um, and obviously, with Bryce Love, he's more dynamic. So, uh, like uh, like you guys alluded to earlier, making sure you're tackling and staying sound is what UW's all about. And I have to bring that to the park this Saturday. Yeah, that's true. And I I think kind of a sneaky part of this game is Washington special teams haven't been great so far this season. Part of that's having a, a true freshman kicker. Um, but their that Oregon game in a lot of ways really turned on Washington's kick coverage. Washington, I mean, the Oregon started out with tremendous field position in that game. Um, Stanford actually has had quite good, quite good special teams so far this year. I, I, I think is if there's a way that Bryce Love could maybe have an impact on this game, it might be in some of those sort of hidden yard type situations. Um, how much? I mean, if if there's a lot of punts, I suppose. But do you think that there will be a, you know a, some special a special teams will have a big effect on this game beyond the sort of uh, like obvious missed missed field goal at the end of the game that you know ruins people's nights like me who had Washington in that Oregon game. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, yeah, I think special teams you saw this this past week with Stanford. It came down to a uh, came down to a field goal to win. If you miss, if Washington State kicker misses that field goal, it's a different different story. I think it's gotta be, uh, gotta be big time. I think obviously when you're on the road, I mean, uh, playing at Washington's one of the toughest places to play. So gotta be locked in there, but, uh, your, your points valid. And I know that's kind of how Christian McCaffrey got it done in some, some regards is that hidden yards, as you said, just making sure that hey, in the punt game, kickoff return game, whatever it is, making sure you're taking advantage of that. And then, uh, putting pressure on a freshman kicker, make them, uh, Make some tough kicks if you're Stanford and uh, see see what the result uh, turns out to be. So, Max, we're not going to drag you into the mud here and talk gambling spreads. We would never do that. What I want to do is, uh, Rob, what is the win pro- What does the model say the win probability is here between Washington and Stanford? So, <clears throat> Washington comes in at a 69.01% win probability in this game. Um, that's roughly about five points uh, for the, for where the expected line would be if beta ranks at the line. Um, you know, it's, it's enough that Washington in theory should win. Uh, but any really, you know, obvious offensive drive where they get good field position and don't convert, um, uh, or if they have, you know, if they're even minus one on turnovers in this game, it, that's definitely close enough where Stanford could win. Max, do you think Stanford has a chance here uh, if they plan well and execute, or or is just Washington's defense going to be too uh, too strong? What's your final uh, take here on this game? Yeah, I like that sixty nine percent line. I think that, uh, that that makes sense to me. I think, uh, I mean, if I'm a betting man, I'm, I'm I'm putting my money towards Washington, but Stanford's totally capable, and we've kind of we've kind of touched on all the pieces for them. Is they have our second white side, they have Costello, they have Love. Their old line showed up last week, so if they can all piece it together, they definitely got a shot. Um, I probably, if I'm if I'm a betting man, I'm probably going with Washington, but uh, by no means is Stanford out of the hunt whatsoever. Okay. Well, hey, everybody, stick with us. We're going to actually get into the lines and, and break down every game. But before we do, Max, where uh, what game are you breaking down, or games are you breaking down from this past week? And again, where can people find them? Yeah, I'm hoping to finalize that right when I get off. Uh, off the off this conversation with you guys, I've been looking at uh, ASU USC. Haven't done anything on ASU this year, so we're going to try to uh, give them some content, and then uh, might do Utah UCLA, but uh, kind of a lopsided affair. So I'll probably stick with uh, Washington Cal. Actually, um, so probably going to do Washington Cal and ASU USC if uh, if all things stay as is. But uh, yeah, we'll see, and then I'll post those. Wednesday night usually or Thursday morning. And, uh, yeah, once again, YouTube channel, Max Brown. Brown has an E at the end. Channel should pop up or any of my videos. Breakdowns will be right there. And then Twitter at Max Brown 4 um, are the best places to find my content. But, uh, yeah. 
Hey, Max, thank you so much for your time, man. It's always great to talk football. Again, if you haven't checked out uh, Max's videos, they are excellent and really shows how in-depth and complicated uh, football is and why it's the most beautiful sport in the world. Uh, thanks for your time, man, and we will make sure to tweet out on uh, 12-Pack Radio and Wildcat Radio those links when they come out, man. Thanks again. Appreciate you guys. Yep, thanks for having me on. All right, take care. All right, all right. We are back, and it is the sleazy bet time. If you're part of Wildcat Radio, you bask in the glory that was the Arizona versus Oregon game. If you are a 12-pack radio fan, you bask in the glory that is Max Brown's delicious breakdowns of college football. And the sleazy bet segment is where we talk about the games that are coming up. And here's how we do it. We go earliest to latest, and we'll talk about the games that are coming up this week. And then we will break down the games that those participants had in the previous week. And Rick, how are you, how are you doing? This is mybookie.ag tearing you up or are you uh, are you uh, bringing the house no i actually did pretty good this week yeah it, i you know I, it was a, it was a rough start to the season for me uh but then i started kind of uh, figuring some things out i added some uh some sleazy math to rob's uh beta rankings and uh i'm, I'm back on top so you know i'm, I'm sitting at about 53 percent that's good season I'm, I'm doing good I yeah. think I think most of us went three and three, but we are all except for Ronnie who went one and five again. We're freaking Ronnie, get it together, man! Uh, everybody that participated in the in the podcast is over five hundred against the spread, which is uh, which is pretty good. We're we're tearing it up here. Let's talk the first game Friday at seven thirty, November second on Fox Sports One, Colorado. On the road at Arizona, if you're part of Wildcat Radio, we just talked about this uh, game a little bit, but we didn't talk about the spread. Um, Colorado freaking lost to Oregon State 41-34. to um, What a freaking mess. Colorado came out, I think it was 31-3, to and then just gave up point after point to Oregon State. It was a heck of a comeback. Rob, if you would have told me that Jake Luton was going to be slinging the ball around, I might have might have jumped on <laughs> Oregon State. I love Jake Luton. He is so fun. He was having some problems with his ankles. But, man, he was back and brought the noise. And what a heck of a comeback from Colorado. This is a... T- uh, from Oregon State, this was a 23-and-a-half-point dog that ended up winning the game in overtime. How did that game go? I mean, this was – this is a – there's no understating this. This was the biggest upset of the week <laughs> like in actually all of college football. Um, <clears throat> Oregon State in, in beta rank was a 31-point dog in this game, which is as, as big as beta rank really will, will, it will be willing to go uh, on, on making someone a dog, just a huge underdog in this game. Um, and I, when I was sort of like checking on what was going on, uh, at halftime, I was like, all right, like Colorado's going to cover sweet. <laughs> I picked the buffs. Uh, and then Oregon state just came roaring back. Um, the uh, Jefferson had a good game. I mean, like you said, Jake Luton was just phenomenal. Uh, and really, he, he ended up being injured. And so Coletto had to come in to finish the game. But Jake Luton deserves the lion's share of the credit for that win. Um, but the, the more amazing story is that what, Colorado's offense just shut down in the second half against what had been grading out as the worst defense in all of college football. Um just, I mean, three points against Oregon State's uh, defense. And I think just about everyone in the Pac-12 um, who's had a chance to play the Beavers knows, like, if you want your offense to look good, like getting to play Oregon State's pretty good <laughs> for you. Uh, I mean, you can run the ball, you can throw the ball, you can do whatever you wanted. In that second half, Colorado could not do anything. Um, and it's not like they sort of um, pulled the starters and uh, – you know, like totally tried to turn off the gas or something like that. Like it was not a full David Shaw turtle, turtle, turtle head and the turtle neck collapse. Um, <laughs> it was just uh, mind blowing how bad they got. And I mean, it's if if you haven't been following, like people are actually talking about Mike McIntyre being on the hot seat. Like like three weeks ago, Mike McIntyre is like the most beloved man in Boulder, and like his he, people are hot, like hot and mad after the last three weeks of Colorado football. <laughs> the crowd is a fickle mistress. The crowd is a fickle yeah. mistress. Um, it was interesting because Oregon State didn't want to win the game at the end. Like they missed the <laughs> they missed the extra yeah. point. And I'm like, oh no! And then I think Colorado missed the field goal. I actually watched the end of this uh, this game, uh, probably the third and fourth quarter, while Rick was out uh, carousing at dirtbags. And uh, it, it was just, uh, oh man, like 
you could just feel it like the stadium was going nuts. I, I think people understood that they were in the game. You had, uh, again, Luton slinging the ball around. Uh, you know, looking forward to this game, Colorado's a four point dog against Arizona. Rob, you know, you rock the beta rank numbers, which people should again check out wildcatradioaz.com has uh, the numbers for every single Pac 12 team, all the advanced metrics, and even they have win probabilities. So, what, what do your numbers, wh- where is Colorado and Arizona ranked uh, individually, and what is the win probability? So, in this game, Colorado comes in at number 74. Um, they have the number 93 offense, which isn't something you would have said three weeks ago. Uh, the number 53 defense, um, Arizona comes in at number 76, uh, 79 on offense, 59 on defense. Uh, the, um, the, this game is a true toss up in the model. Um, the model assigns 50% win probability to either Colorado or Arizona. Um, in that case with Colorado, you know, if I if I can have get four points and, and pick pick Arizona, uh, I'm happy to do it uh, in this game. So, um, yeah, I'll, I'll take Arizona in this game. I if if Lavisca Chenault comes in and he's like fully healthy, like uh, well, I may look stupid, but uh, the way their offense is playing without him, um, and even if he comes back and he's a little dinged up with his turf toe, like. Uh, then I think Arizona's got a good shot. Yeah, and we broke down this game for about 25 minutes on Wildcat Radio. But Rick, um, for the for our 12 pack radio listeners, can you give a brief synopsis of of what Arizona did to just stomp on Oregon? Because that was another surprise in the Pac-12 this uh, this week. Yeah, I, you know Arizona did a really great job of forcing turnovers. The defense was very disruptive. They caused Justin Herbert to uh, have to make decisions a lot quicker than he was probably used to. Um, and I mean, that front seven was just in the, in the backfield all, all game for Arizona. And, uh, they, they did a really tremendous job. Um, and then on, on offense, JJ Taylor went to work, uh, over 200 yards, uh, rushing for JJ Taylor. And, you know, now that we're looking at this, uh, this Colorado, Arizona matchup, Colorado allowed Jamar Jefferson to run 135 yards on, on the same number of carries 30, 30 carries that JJ Taylor had in this game. Um, and if you were to ask me like, what kind of production JJ Taylor would have compared to Jamar Jefferson? Should they get the same amount of carries? I'd say probably at least one and a half to two times more yards. Um, so, you know, I, things are setting up very nicely for Arizona to, uh, to win this game uh, pretty handily uh, based on the way that the uh, Colorado offense has collapsed. Um, so I'm going to take Arizona and, and give up the points. One thing to keep mentioning is that Khalil Tate came out in a boot for this game uh, off the bus, ended up starting the game, ran the ball. I think it was like four times. I'll have to go back and look, but it wasn't uh, a, it wasn't for a lot, and it wasn't many times. Uh, three touchdowns, one interception. Didn't look good, like you mentioned, Rob, in the first half. The second half, he really kind of got his act together. So. I guess what I'm trying to say is if you're a Colorado fan or if you're just kind of a neutral observer in this game, uh, it's it's still not Tate versus Colorado last year Tate. It, it's uh, Tate that's throwing the ball, that isn't running very much. Maybe he heals for this game, but I'm not certain if that's the case. Four points, I, I, I'll take Colorado. It, you know, I'm 35 and 19 against the spread this year, and I think I'm one and eight or whatever <laughs> against the spread with Arizona. I just cannot figure out this team. And I, I want to take Colorado for, for two reasons. The first is I am still uncertain about our offense uh, as an Arizona fan. I, uh, I want to see it a second time. I will, I will be surprised, pleasantly surprised, if they, uh, if they put up 40 points against Colorado. I reserve the right to not uh, to switch my pick if LaVisca Chenault is back. He has an injured toe and is listed as questionable for this game. I think, like you mentioned, Rob, he changes their offense, right? Yeah, I mean, if their offense had been trending more towards the 30s nationally uh, with Chenault playing, and it's not that I think Chenault had their offense would have taken a hit given that USC game and probably in that Washington game, even if Chenault plays. Um, but where they're at right now is really more of a reflection of not having Chenault available. Um, and like teams are, teams have really been able to make adjustments on this Colorado team and they just have not had any answer. I mean, Chivarini, their offensive coordinator, just, I don't know. I, I don't see it. So if he has Chenault available, then, uh, like I said, like, like you said, like I will switch my pick and take the buffs, uh, in this game. Cause, um, he's just a game changer for them. Yeah. And this game has gone from Arizona is going to get stomped. This is another loss to 
this is a competitive game where we're actually talking about like, oh, okay, the spread's like four. Well, that's reasonable. That is a huge, huge change between where we were a few weeks ago. But And, and part of that's because uh, Arizona has improved and another part is it because uh, Colorado has regressed so um, give me Colorado Rick Rick you taking Arizona indeed okay all right and Rob you're taking Colorado because you got the points right I wait you you said Colorado was a a favorite correct Uh, four point dog Colorado's a dog oh yeah I'll take Colorado then okay it's a toss-up it's a toss-up game you know, in a toss-up game, if I get the points, I'll take the points. Yeah, this will, this will be an interesting. It's one of those uh, interesting games that won't matter in the grand scheme of things, but it'll be fun to watch. Moving on, we have Saturday, one p.m., November third, on the Pac-12 Network. Utah, a seven-point. Uh, I'm sorry, seven-point favorite on the road at Arizona State. Utah freaking clown punched UCLA in Pasadena. They brought the noise, forty-one to ten, and holy goodness, this Utah team looks pretty good, right, Rick? Right, Bryant. Yeah, no, they looked really good. Um, you know, the the transformation for this Utah offense, I think that that was something that, uh, you know, we were all kind of down on at the beginning of the season. Um, and they've really found their niche. And, uh, you know, it all starts with quarterback play and Tyler Huntley. So, uh, you know, hats off to them and hats off to Utah for just, like you said, they there's no other way to describe it better than you described it. They clown punched UCLA. Um, and you know, that, that UCLA team is now one, one game away from, uh, not being bowl eligible this year. And, uh, I know it's, I know it's early in, in a new coaching, uh, change, uh, you know, with Chip Kelly, but, uh, you, you know, they got to really be questioning what's going on in Westwood and, and when they're going to be able to write the ship. Uh, you know, I, 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 I was definitely of the opinion that there was too much talent on this UCLA team, um, to have a, a good coach not be able to come in and, and get them on the right track. Um, so, you know, I've, I've been surprised by this year, um, you know, but the, I guess they have a lot of growing pains to go through, through. There's a reason why Jim Mora was fired. Utah's rushing attack against UCLA is exactly what it should have been, which is 325 yeah. yards and four friggin' touchdowns. Zach Moss went nuts. It's funny, Rob, we had, um, you know, Max Brown on earlier, and he mentioned that he was, he was thinking about doing film breakdown of this game. I'm like, nobody wants to watch. I wanted to say nobody wants to watch 15 minutes of uh, Zach Moss running all over UCLA. <laughs> of, like, of like poor Ricky Wade being double teamed all game, <laughs> and then everybody else on on UCLA just getting like bowled over as Zach Moss ran by. Wilton Spate went uh, 50% for two interceptions. He started this game and he was a mess. Um, yeah, God, I mean, like th- this was the bet of the week, and this was the biggest. This was my my bookie sleazy bets was <laughs> definitely on this game um ucla just is not there uh you know it's funny though like we keep talking about utah going back to its roots in terms of its run game but this is like the second or third game i think where a, a wide receiver or running back is throwing a touchdown like britain cody <laughs> threw a touchdown in this game uh huntley was about 50 percent with an interception but um but it really didn't matter i mean they all they needed to do was run the ball right rob yeah, I mean, they ran the ball really effectively in this game. And that, I mean, anytime you can just run the ball, unless you have bad fumble luck, like you're going to win. You know, if you if you can run the ball and your defense is playing halfway good, like you're going to win that football game. And they, uh, they showed up and just really put down the gas pedal against UCLA. And it was, it was interesting to see because Utah does not look like a team that's going to take their starters out uh too early and uh rest on their laurels like they're gonna they're gonna keep punishing you uh, um, but uh I, I thought in this game there was a there was a really egregious targeting call in this game where uh utah safety um literally went headhunting at a sliding wilton spate and uh was justly kicked out of the game i'm shocked uh, I'm shocked I that know. marquise blair was called for targeting shocked oh it was i mean they had some they had two hard tackles at the beginning of the game where the Utah players were leading with the crown of their head of their helmet. Um, and they, they, they could have reviewed it. And I think if they would have, they might've called targeting. You just don't usually see them call targeting that early, but uh, that was a, that was the, that was hands down the worst uh, targeting I've seen all season. Even just, just because it, it, spade sliding and the guys <clears throat> 
Blair is adjusting downward to try to drill him with the crown of his head in the helmet. It was un- like if you could give out a three game suspension for targeting, like that would deserve it. It was it was an awful, awful targeting. Yeah, and that Utah secondary is very good, and Blair hits real hard. Um, and you know, I, I say I'm shocked, but you know, I'm saying it facetiously, but I don't want it like that was awful, but I also don't want to downplay the fact that like this is an excellent Utah defense. We've been talking about oh, yeah. for a long time. Um, and particularly their secondary, everybody focuses oftentimes on the front seven that Utah has, but particularly the defensive line. It is a whole complete defense uh, this year. We'll talk about the Arizona state USC game when we talk about the next uh, couple games here, but Utah is a seven point favorite on the road at Arizona state. I like this Utah team a lot, but I actually, I kind of like Arizona state in this game. They're not bad and they're at home and for Utah to keep the, the ball rolling over and over and over again. I mean, they've really had to run the gauntlet to get here and they have so far. I think at some point they slip up. I don't know if they lose this game i don't think they do but um seven points is a lot of points against a pretty competent asu team what do you think rick um i really think it's going to come down to coaching and i think kyle willingham is going to wipe the floor with herm edwards um i think that this is one of those letdown games for asu um it always seems that they go in you know and play usc really well and, and come out with a win and then drop a game or two after that so you know that's been the mo for this arizona state team for a number of years now and i don't really see them falling out of that uh, especially with a top 25 opponent coming into town so i i i think it's it, you know there's there's opportunity there for asu to to probably put up some points on this utah defense but i don't think it's going to be anywhere close to um them keeping it within that touchdown to to 10 point range so um i'm going to end up taking taking utah here rob what does uh, beta rank have uh, these teams ranked and what's the win probability so the win probability uh is 83.96 so oh, roughly 84 percent uh in this game um the utes come in at number 11 uh in the country right now they took a big jump after uh really whipping up on ucla but also that some of the teams they beat had good games too so uh some parts of utah schedule and the the beta rank those teams improved uh so the utes wins over them look better um their offense comes at a 28 their defense is at 21 special teams at number nine i mean the Utes are just clicking right now um arizona state's at number 47 uh number 25 on offense um so they do have a good offense uh 80 on defense um their defense has struggled all season we've seen that uh and 42 on special teams so the sun devils have been pretty good on special teams sort of unexpectedly with uh, gonzalez gone but uh that they're it's roughly 13 and a half points in in beta rank like i'll, I'll take utah in this game I, I think that they're going to be able to uh unless they turn the ball over two times three times like they should they should win uh and cover the big game plan for this game is the ucla game plan right like just run the ball over and over and over again i i just don't we we talk about turnovers being able to bring underdogs like to a point where they're covering or they are uh they're outright winning games i just don't see a scenario where tyler huntley's throwing the ball more than 20 times right rob no i mean they should be able to run the ball very effectively in this game um and that's going to like like we talked about that's going to set them up for success uh you know so if huntley is throwing the ball he's going to be play action um you know finding receivers you know in single coverage uh with asu probably bringing down some safeties to try to slow down utah's running game ah 13 points on your model like uh i i just think this is a letdown game i i don't i i actually i can't can't believe i'm saying this but like herm herm isn't half bad though like i i really sometimes the offensive play calling is a little weird he's made some mistakes at the end of games but for the most part like he's calm they have danny gonzalez uh their offense even if they're not calling the best plays they still have Eno benjamin they still have Nikhil harry they still have manny wilkins and some good wide receivers i think they're going to be able to move the ball a decent amount here um and the defense shows up so i'm gonna take uh, i'm gonna take asu i uh, I, I want those seven points let's see i think this will be a really good game uh rick do you have any final thoughts yeah, thanks a lot for uh, picking, uh, you know, and giving me an opportunity to get one game closer to taking your lead in uh, in the contest. Now, calm down over there. Calm down. Calm down. <laughs> uh, all right, seven. Uh, let's see. Saturday at four thirty p.m. on Fox, UCLA is an eight and a half point favorite on the road 
at Oregon. Um, we, we already talked about Arizona crushing Oregon here. Um, they did not show up. The defense did not show up. Justin Herbert looked terrible. Um, UCLA is also bad. So I'm curious, Rob, where, where is beta rank? Have these teams ranked? So this again is a, this is a true toss up in beta ranked. Uh, this is eight, Yeah. Oh, so this God. is 80, 84 Oregon against 85 UCLA. Um, both of these teams have, have better offenses. So Oregon comes in at 55 UCLA at 57. Um, UCLA's defense is at 85 Oregon's at 91. Uh, and both have bad, bad special teams again, like Oregon's at 96. Um, after after a really poor performance all around at Arizona, but especially uh, on special teams and on offense, uh, and UCLA is at 107. Uh, so even with that, UCLA has a terrific kicker. Uh, a lot of their kick coverage and punt coverage, as uh, as I actually saw in some of that Arizona game, just hasn't been great. Um, so this this game, the the model has not been high on Oregon. They they've had two good games, uh, Stanford and Washington, uh, and then they've just unperform underperformed basically against the rest of their schedule. So um, the the model looks at this, and if Dorian Thompson Robinson's fully healthy, uh, you know, like I I don't know. You said UCLA is a favorite in this game. I'm sorry, UCLA is an eight and a half point underdog. That's hard. I mean, this Oregon team's hard to judge. They're just sort of up and down. Um, 50-50, though. I mean, I, I still think Oregon has more upside than than UCLA here. Uh, Dorian Thompson-Robinson could be rusty. But the other side of this is, man, J.J. Taylor ran for 200 yards against this Oregon team, and that was not a fluke. Joshua Kelly, how many yards do you think he could get? <laughs> well, like 150? Yeah, I mean, it, and if Thompson Robinson plays, like they could be good. Uh, but yeah, I'll, I'll, I will actually, I will, I will put eight and a half points. Oh. I know. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Uh, I'll go with UCLA, but I reserve the right to change my mind. I'm just sort of hedging, thinking that Thompson Robinson comes back. Um, I mean, Herbert just had his worst, worst game. Um, I mean, they couldn't run the ball either. Like, let's not. Let's not take away from the fact that Oregon put out. I mean, Justin Herbert was their leading rusher in that game against Arizona, (laughs) which is hilarious to say against a defense like Arizona. Um, So I, uh, I don't know. This this game is a real tough one to get a read on. I'm going to say burn the math, witch. I'm going to take uh, Oregon. <laughs> I, don't, I know it's a split game on your end, but uh, I just I think I'm overly high on Oregon. I think Hithliday would probably agree on that front. But uh, I just I, I think they come back. I don't trust this this uh, UCLA team. Um, they're on the road like at Otson. Give me I'll, I'll give those points. What do you think, Rick? Yeah, I'm kind of in that same boat. Justin Herbert, you know, when it's all said and done, he's he's projected as a first-round pick in the NFL draft this year. And, uh, you know, if you go on the road and you perform really poorly against the team that you probably should have uh, really worked over, um, and you come back and you're playing another team that you should probably really work over, you better step up in that second game. Otherwise, that first-round draft pick starts to look like a lot less guaranteed money. Um, you know, so, I, you know, I'm going to put it on Justin Herbert uh, as an athlete and uh, someone of – uh, you know, high potential who will pull this out. And uh, yeah, I, I don't like picking against that much of, uh, of Rob's model either, but uh, this just seems like uh, an opportunity for Oregon to, to get things back on the road. I will like to say, I, I, I wanted to point out that I, I didn't run into like any super obnoxious Oregon fans in, in Tucson, which was nice. Um, anytime one of them, uh, you know, started talking to me, all, all we really had to do was agree that uh, they were really lucky that Willie Taggart was no longer in town. Saturday, 6 p.m., the Pac-12 Network. We already broke this game down with Mr. Max Brown. It is Washington uh, is a nine-and-a-half-point favorite at home against Stanford. But what we didn't talk about is the the rock fight that was Washington and Cal. Washington lost 12-10. to 10, And Cal, this was this reminds me of, like, the Arizona game where it was the Arizona-Cal game. Cal's the worst, where uh, Arizona got a last-minute uh, – touchdown on an interception at the end of the game and win the game um cal's defense scored more points than its offense did in this game and it still only scored 12 points y'all uh <laughs> did anybody watch this game uh i watched i watched these parts of the second half when i was horrified to see the jakes 
both Jakes because Jake Browning got pulled. Both Jakes playing badly. That's insane that they they benched him. I mean, like he was awful, and there was there's a little bit of disgruntlement among the uh, masses there in Washington. I know that pulling pulling the good Jake and then putting in the bad Jake, and then the bad Jake throws the pick, and then the good Jake comes back in. But man, like Cal's Cal's uh, defense is good. I just assumed that. Washington could at least score a few points. Miles Gaskin is still hurt. Um, but, man, this Washington program's in a little bit of trouble. What do you think, Rick? Yeah, I don't know if you can uh, point to a team in college football this year and say that there's any team that's disappointed more than Washington at this point. I would point to USC. Um, I'm going to point to USC. <laughs> uh, I, but, I mean, but we weren't talking about USC as a Final Four contender at the beginning of the season, that's whereas right. Washington, you know, we fully expected them to be the one team capable of representing the Pac-12 in the college football playoff this year. Um, you know, we, we were really high on them coming in the season. They had that opening game against Auburn that we were like, if they can just get past that, you know, the, you know, they're, they're going to be playing for, for a national championship. Um, and now here we are, we're, we're talking about them losing to Cal, um, in week nine. So, you know, it's, I don't think that they've, there's been teams with as much as high of expectations, as high of expectations that's fallen off more than Washington this year. Um, and, and it all starts with that offense. I mean, we thought that that offense was going to be plenty capable behind Jake Browning. They were going to be able to put up a lot of points on, on these PAC 12 defenses. Um, and that just hasn't been the case. So, you know, if they're going to write that ship this year, um, it's all going to start with, with quarterback play. This game was so insane, Rob, when you take a look at it, I mean, so Cal had, I think it was like 11 tackles for a loss. And if you were to tell me that they would have been able to pressure, I'm sorry, Washington had 11 tackles for a loss. If you were to tell me that they would have that type of outing to pressure Chase Garbers or Brandon McIlwain or, or <laughs> Ross Bowers under a bridge, wherever he is right now. Um, yeah. And the fact that they would have held Cal to 12 points, I would have said, oh, man, that, that game was probably like they would have covered the spread. They lose. I mean, it, it's interesting because Savan Ahmed is, I don't know if he's out, but like, eight carries for a negative two yards. Like he's certainly banged up. He was banged up last game and the game before that, uh, the, uh, miles Gaskin did not play in this game. And man, like I, I know we had talked with Max Brown about these wide receivers. I think that Ty Jones is good. I am ambivalent on all the other wide receivers. And if you don't have <laughs> the talent, like how do they move the ball? I know Stanford isn't great, but, um, man, <laughs> like, well, I'm curious what um, who who would you take? Like nine and a half points is a lot of points for me uh, no, to give, right? No, give me give me Stanford with that. I mean, Washington is a favorite in the model, so there's 69 percent win probability. That's roughly like six ish points. Um, it's not nine. Uh, I mean, you have to get Washington has to win to get to nine. You have to win by two possessions. I just don't think that Washington is two possessions better than Stanford right now, and I don't think that. The things that you can do to really embarrass Stanford, um, I just don't know that Washington can really do them right now. I mean, I, they don't really um, have the pass rush to get to Costello. Um, and you're right. I mean, this this offense, and I say this, like, this is going to sound like a real harsh thing to say, but, I mean, after their playoff year, so the last three years, is there a less impressive good team than Washington? Um, they just... They never, they never really come out and just like blow you away. Even though everyone's always like, "Yeah, Washington's pretty good," um, and this year, like, they're 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 pretty good. But I mean, that game that they had against Cal was unspeakably bad, and um, <laughs> a lot of that is, uh, I mean, let's not take away like, kudos to Justin Wilcox, Tim DeRoyter. Um, this Cal defense. Uh, jumped all the way up to number 17 in the country in beta rank. Like this Cal defense is insanely good. And if you would have told me that in two years from Sonny Dykes, who was a brilliant offensive mind, but just couldn't get it together on defense and Cal at Cal, that they would be ranked in the top 20 in defense. Like I would have told you that you were on some really good drugs because, but like it's happened. Like they, they have put together a phenomenal defense. Um, and they've shut a lot of people down, but they had not really shut anyone down whose offense is as good as Washington. Now, I don't think Stanford um, 
has the kind of defense that Cal does and has the kind of defensive game planning that Cal does, but they do have a Debo and that can pretty much nix out Washington's best receiver. Um, and then you start asking like, can what are you sure Washington can show up and run the ball? Are you sure you trust the other receivers? Do you trust Jake Browning to get you to nine points? If a Debo's nixed out Washington's best receiver. And I, I don't, uh, at all i'm i'm with you the and i'm i'm gonna take the point so give me stanford nine and a half my one worry is that stanford will not be able to run the ball at all against yeah i don't think that they're gonna have to throw it and stanford's second best play is pass interference (laughs) that's true and uh I mean, Ben Burkirvan is a bad, bad man. Like he is yeah. awesome, and uh, I, I, I will enjoy watching every minute of him stuffing, you know, Cameron Scarlett or whoever the hell he put up behind that that bad offensive uh, run blocking scheme there at Stanford. So, but I'll still take Stanford. I'll still take the points. Rick, who are you taking? Yeah, I. So I'm, I'm in the same boat. I'm, I'm really concerned about Washington's offense and their ability to, uh, to really run the score up at all. So I'm going to go ahead and take those points that Sanford's given up. I would just like to point out too, that Rob has now mentioned drugs twice during the podcast. I think we need to start a drug jar for you, man. Every time you mention it, you put a dollar in. (laughs) This is a family podcast. I apologize. (laughs) There you go. Uh, Saturday, 7 PM Fox sports one USC is a 14 point, 14 point favorite on the road at Oregon state. I think this line is insane. Like, 14 that's it that's all you're gonna give me uh uh to uh to take usc man like i uh i but i'm curious rob i mean obviously usc is a mess we'll talk about them uh losing to usc in just a sec but what do your numbers say in this game so us usc is a 90 91 win probability in this game um they're roughly an 18 point favorite um coming in so the model likes the Trojans quite a bit here, <laughs> clearly, even as bad as uh, they have played and they have played very poorly. Their defense is trending down with Gustin out. They had Cam Smith out last week as well. Um, you know, this is a, this is a team that I mean, they, you almost would, if you were them, you wish their bye week was now because um, they could really use a break to get some guys back off injury. JT Daniels was out. I would argue that they almost played better without JT Daniels in. Yep. Um, <laughs> but they, they haven't been able to run the ball. They USC is not just a mess. I mean, Clay Helton just took over play calling duties. Um, they just fired their offensive coordinator. Uh, I mean, their offensive line coach. Um, it's likely T Martin's done at the end of the season at this point. I mean, this team is in serious free fall. Um, that said, Oregon State. Yes, they have. That is a awesome, good for the Beavers. Like this is this is what they did was unbelievable against Colorado. Um, but I I still think that this defense is really bad, and I think that even USC is going to show up and be able to put up points. And um, I do, I still think USC's defense is decent, and uh, I, I think the Beavers could have a, a tougher time in this game. If this was a game against Cal or Arizona or UCLA, and it was fourteen points coming off of that loss to ASU. I'd take the opposing team rather than uh, USC, but holy goodness, like for you give me 14 points against Oregon state. I'll, sure. Whatever. Like <laughs> if it was 20, I might still take USC. I just, uh, I, I don't see a scenario like this, this, this Oregon state team is going to make Steven Carr look good. Like, I think that's, that's kind of where we're at right now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, USC did lose on uh, at home uh, against ASU. That was a fun game, by the way. I had a really good time watching that. Rob, did you get a chance to catch any of that game? I did uh, have a chance to catch a lot of that game, but it was uh, it was back and forth. And um, yeah, I was I was pretty happy. I mean, the model had said it was going to be a toss up game and it was pretty much a toss up game uh, all the way to the end. Um, and uh, as much as I criticized and we criticized, like, what is Nikhil Harry back there doing punt, returning punts? Like, yep, yep, he had a punt return for touchdown. So, like, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, Herm Edwards makes good decisions that uh, I disagree with. <laughs> <laughs> that was the first thing I thought when he took that back. Like, ah, oh, we talked about that like two weeks ago, man. It was so stupid. He also had a nasty, nasty catch too. Like one of those oh, yeah. NFL style, like go up and grab the ball with one hand. He is such a good player. Um, Eno Benjamin had a heck of a game, 185 yards, two touchdowns. They were ASU, obviously able to run the ball against USC. Uh, Jamar Jefferson is, uh, I would be frightened if I were a USC fan. 
again because uh, he is quite good. Oregon State's running back. I agree with you. I thought Jack Sears was not great, but like I thought I'm not. A, I thought JT Barrett. I've never seen more hype for a quarterback that wasn't good than all of the promos that they would run every single week on uh, JT, uh, J- JT Barry, JT Daniels, <laughs> a much different quarterback. <laughs> uh, it's getting late. Um, but I do think Sears, like Rick, would you start Sears uh, over Daniels this week? Absolutely. Yeah. And I think, I think that Sears actually, uh, you know, all things considered really played a heck of a game. Uh, there was a clip that went viral on Twitter of Herm Edwards, um, coming over after the game and, and talking about how, uh, you know, he played his tail off. And I agree. Um, you know, it, it was fun watching the game. Uh, I was with Josh, we were at no anchovies, um, and we were rooting for ASU, which, which was weird. I think that's the first time I've ever, uh, you know, rooted for ASU inside of a Tucson bar. Uh, we didn't get any dirty looks or anything. It was mostly Oregon fans around. I think they were all kind of rooting for ASU too. So, uh, but as far as like this USC Oregon state matchup is concerned, Bryant, we're on opposite ends of the coin, man. Woo! I know, I know, I know you got beavered. I know you got beavered this week. Um, so, so I know that you're, uh, you're probably a little biased right now. Um, but I think that I agree. I, I agree with everything that Rob said about this USC team and the distractions that they have right now. Um, this quarterback controversy being just another one that you can throw into the pot. Um, it's a team in free fall. One of the strangest decisions that I think has ever been made in college football is the decision to hire Clay Helton as the head coach at USC. Um, and I, I have to keep on believing that uh, this tenure is going to be short and sweet. Um, and I think that this might be a game that gets them to that point. I, I, Oregon State's coming off of that, that dirty, dirty comeback win in Colorado. It's in Corvallis. Things get weird. It's it's seven o'clock at night, Mountain Standard Time. It's going to be dark out. Pack twelve after dark. I'm rolling with the Beavers, man. I might even sprinkle a little bit on the money <laughs> shut line. Up, oh, shut up! Shut up! Just for grins. <laughs> like, just for was, grins. I, I was at that game, that crazy game after Mike Stoops got fired, where Arizona just came out and like just beat the pants off UCLA. Like rolled out the double flex eagle defense that they had installed on the bye week. Like. I just feel like this UC, USC team actually comes out fighting for their coach. Like, they'll, like they're every team that gets into this kind of trouble, like they at least have one game where they like try to play better, and this is a good team to play better against. Oh my gosh! If <laughs> I, I wanted to sprinkle money on Stanford beating Washington, but no way on God's green earth am I taking USC. <laughs> but hey, man, they, you, you know you got to bet big to win big. So, uh, no. all right, all right, we'll we'll find out. We'll find out. Um, last game, seven forty-five. Holy good, seven freaking forty-five uh, p.m. on ESPN. That's Pacific time, by the way. That's ten forty-five if you're on the East Coast. Uh, on ESPN, Cal is a ten and a half point dog on the road at Washington State. Washington State, man, like fun game, forty-one thirty-eight, knocks off Stanford, keeps the keeps it going. This was this was a crazy game. I mean, lots of offense. You had both KJ Costello uh, and Garter Minshew just throwing bombs all over the field. Rob, what did what caught your eye in this game? Oh, this game was a blast uh, to watch. I mean, Washington State had a terrible first half. I mean, by their standards, terrible first half. And you did kind of worry that Stanford was going to, you know, pull a David Shaw in the second half. <laughs> <laughs> they, they did somewhat, um, but uh, Washington State's defense was able to make you know the required adjustments. I guess you could say to slow down Stanford, um, and then they were able to really turn it on. Uh, and it's just it's hard to slow down. I mean, uh, they they have so many good wide receivers on this team, um, and Minshew gets the ball out so quick, and that was really critical um, because Stanford was getting pressure on him uh, in the first half, and um, he was getting the ball out more quickly in the second. half half um they were also doing a little better job of dealing with stanford's rush uh in the game um but i mean Minshew dug deep and if 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 you don't have Minshew in your your heisman conversation then uh i don't know what's the point of having a heisman conversation because he's had that kind of year um this is the their backup i mean they've dropped all the way to number four but their backup's the number three offense in the land um i mean they're just clicking uh, with him at signal caller. I'm actually super excited to see them go against this number 17 Cal defense. Like the rest of the game may be damn near unwatchable. Like watching <laughs> Cal's offense is, tra- there's just a travesty on wheels, but um, 
like watching Minshew go up against uh, Cal's defense and and really some two guys that have shown that they can really game plan and, and DeRoyter and Wilcox. Like I'm excited for this, but uh, yeah, like if you didn't watch that Stanford, I mean, it was on Pac-12 Network. <laughs> like I can't believe they put Washington State and Stanford on Pac-12 Network, but that's where it was. Um, so most of the country didn't see it, but great game. Gardner Minshew, 40 completions on 50 attempts, three touchdowns. He hit his first 19 passes coming into the second half. Like this is, he is awesome and so fun to watch. And I totally agree with you. Like, I mean, the fact that Tay Martin is only at five catches for 13 yards. Tay Martin is awesome. That's how many good wide receivers they have on this team where you have like Desmond Payton and like all these players getting like mad uh, catches in addition to Martin. So obviously the Mike Leach offense, you spread the ball around, but like this is a stacked offense and it is so fun to watch. Um, Ten and a half points, Rick. What do you think? So I I mean, Rob kind of stole my talking point and that is that at this point, if I'm voting for Heisman, uh, Gardner Minshew is absolutely in the conversation for me. 71% completion percentage so far this year, uh, just shy of 3,200 yards passing already. Um, you know, with, with four games left to play, he's going to eclip 4,500 yards easy. In my opinion, 26 touchdown passes. Like, uh, you know, if, if you were to have told me at the beginning of the season that of all of the quarterbacks that we thought were going to have phenomenal years in the Pac-12, that the guy who was going to come out above the rest was a guy whose name sounded like it belonged in a mushu pork salad. Um, I, I, I would have definitely had to question that a little bit. But if you would have told me his coach was Mike Leach, that definitely would have got me a little bit more on board. I can't think of anything more fun than watching Larry Scott have to hand Mike Leach a Pac-12 championship trophy um, <laughs> in the fall. And so that dream is what's going to continue to propel me to choose Washington State week after week. Uh, I don't think that this Cal defense can do anything to stop the Minshew. Um, and I'm going to take Washington State and give up the points. Keep the dream alive, man. I'm, I'm continue to ride. Uh, I think... I want to say Washington State is 8-0 against the spread. Like, they they are just getting it done. Give it to me again. I know Cal has a good defense, but they ain't seen Gardner Minshew in this offense. I think they, they roll and, and keep the ball going. Rob, what uh, what's the win probability here on Beta Rank? It's uh, 89.92, so 90%. Uh, it's about a 16-point favor for, favor for Washington State in this game. Um, I really do. I, I, I like Washington State. I, I, I said Cal has a good defense. They do, but Washington State puts pressure on you in different ways. Um, are we good? You know, how good is how good is your nickel and dime back? Um, I don't. I don't know that. I mean, Cal's strength of their defense is really in their linebackers. I don't know if Cal could keep both of them on the field for most of the game against Washington State. Um, so I, I, I and. Washington State should have very good field position in this game because Cal's offense is uh, basically, you know, it's it's a unit at this point. It's totally ineffective. So give me give me Washington State. All right. Comparing teams to Unix. I like it. I like where your head's at. Let's let's get let's get creative here. <laughs> All right, Rick, we said we could get you out of here by 930 on time under budget. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Tune in. Follow us on Twitter at Wildcat Radio AZ or at 12 Pack Radio at 12 PAC Radio. Thanks to Max Brown for joining the podcast. And uh, we will have our contest updates on the website Wildcat Radio AZ. We just have to get all of the results in. Sorry, we didn't announce them this time, but um, I'm sure it gives Rick much relief so he doesn't have to listen to the the uh, Hunger Games theme song one more time. So uh, thanks, guys, for coming on, and we will catch you all next week.